you know, I, when I did the talk, I could feel, you know, that metal detector of the gifting thing. I was just like, nothing I've ever done in my life has felt as right as what I'm doing right now. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Overtime, Dribble's official podcast, where we go behind the work of your favorite designers. I'm your host, Dan Cederholm, and this is episode 28. This is the first episode kicking off our season three of uh, this podcast, and today we're talking with Andy J. Pizza, also known as Andy J. Miller. It's so great kicking off this new season uh, with Andy, and he's what we're calling a professional encourager. Um, just kind of a fountain of positivity for anyone in the creative uh, space that uh, is looking for inspiration around creating side projects and moving your career along. Uh, it's a really, really great talk, and uh, we're happy to have him on here. This week's episode is brought to you by Wix.com. Push the limits of design and start creating beautiful, impactful websites that are uniquely yours with Wix. And we'll be talking more about Wix uh, later on in the episode. Welcome to Overtime, Andy hey. J. Pizza. Hey, I'm super happy to be here. Nice to be here with you, Dan. Yeah, thanks for being here. Um, this is going to be really fun because, uh, you know, you're a seasoned podcaster. Yeah. Um, I feel like I need to. I feel like I need to avoid like grilling you about you know technical podcast <laughs> questions. I know <laughs> more than I than I uh, I wait. I know way more than I wish. That I knew, uh, you know, I, I all the audio people that listen to this podcast, there's plenty of like musicians and then just you yeah. know, all these, you know, there's that side of graphic design where there's the real techie engineer type person. And a lot of those have dug into the audio side. And so early days, I used to get so many notes sent to me about like, what <laughs> microphone are you using? Like, wow, like, you got to stop yeah. doing this and that. So, yeah, I love it. I love, so I love to nerd out on a lot of things. And yeah. <laughs> I, I would, I would totally be asking that question too. It's just fun. It's totally fun to get into the, the weeds about that stuff. I've um, learned so to enjoy it. I've learned to, you know, I can, I can get there if I have to. But, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so right off the bat. Okay. I love I, Andy J pizza yeah. is a great, a great name. Um, and <laughs> I, I feel like part, part <laughs> I feel like part of the name is, is real and maybe part of it is, uh, or uh, I should say real. It's all real, but it's, it's, yes. uh, part of it is uh, uh, fictitious, maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, tell me about how, that because I, well, I love pizza. For <laughs> me too. But, um, yeah. It's, uh, the org- you know, the I feel the, I could say so much on this topic and I will say, I'll start off by saying that in some ways I feel like I'm living a lie because uh, probably a more accurate name for me these days would be Andy J Salad because I've been on a uh, <laughs> I've been on a diet for like three years. I try to only eat, you know, I I try to eat pizza yeah. like at those by the slice places because they're like yeah. rationing yeah. your portions and uh, that <laughs> feels healthier to me. But um, I I've been I, you know I'm one of the types of people that's genuinely obsessed with pizza. Uh, in college, there were like. I would go on, I would try to like link up as many meals in a row with pizza as I could. Uh, no, no joke, like leftovers <laughs> for breakfast, pizza buffet, like all, dude, I'm, I'm crazy about pizza. It's, uh, it's unhealthy. But the weird thing is, it, well? <laughs> it makes you happy. It definitely brings it does, you happy. It really, it really does. In the short term. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm genuinely obsessed with it. But the, the thing that ended up happening was, you know, my last name is Miller. There's like 3.5 uh, million Andy Millers in the world. And uh, <laughs> I don't know, that's not, that's not a real number. But there, uh, and, and my domain name was, the, the only thing I could get was andy-j-miller.com. And I just got so tired of saying that. And, and people saying, is that right. a dash or a hyphen? I'm like, I think they're the same. Right. <laughs> uh, and, and so when they, a few years ago, they released that dot pizza and I snatched it up instantly just as like, I, yeah, I love pizza. And I thought, you know, this will be an easier <laughs> domain name. It'll be kind of dumb and memorable. And then everyone in my life started calling me Andy J Pizza. And I was like, it's just my <laughs> domain name. But so now it's like this weird, ironic thing where like, I've never ate less pizza in my life. 
but every person <laughs> calls me Andy J. Pizza. So I love weird. this for a variety of reasons. Because I, I was going to ask, you know, because you have the domain name dot pizza, yeah, which is fantastic. Yeah. And I was wondering <laughs> if that was like an after. No, that after was you came the, up with the name. That was the yeah, conception that was, that, of the name. And actually, I I like to think about it as like a a spiritual name, you know, like back in the ancient times where someone would go some kind of significant life transition. I like to think that something (laughs) I'm really obsessed with, like the idea of your journey and these breakthrough moments and these big, like changes in your story, these aha breakthroughs. And I like to believe that something magical was happening when I kind of took upon this new name and left the old Andy behind, I don't really know what it is. And it is weird that maybe what I left behind was pizza, but now my name is pizza, so I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't It's fantastic. And, and I also love that the domain name availability kind of, you know, informed the brand. Because <laughs> yeah. that's kind of what happened with Dribble, to be honest. Not, really? You know, like, yeah, that makes with sense. Dribble, it was the word came first, but. But then, then it's like, well, dribble spelled with two Bs. I was going to say spelled correctly, but it's not true anymore uh, for me anyway. But uh, but dribble with two Bs yeah. was taken. Dot com, so, you know. Yeah, so oh, we're at a B, and then there you go. And that's the, the thing. And I, you know, I, I think that's happened with with other brands too, where you know the domain name is 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 important yes. and uh, can can kind of inform the, the the journey. And actually, <laughs> like, yeah, it's kind of yeah to determine. It's kind of like. Um, man, I was going to go on some kind of weird analogy, but it reminded me of how in England, this is a, ter- <laughs> this is a terrible analogy, but it just no, reminded me it. of like uh, <laughs> the terrain in England determined the roads because they couldn't, and when they were making those yeah. roads, they couldn't like blow up a mountain at the time. Whereas in America, <laughs> right, right. you get to the mountains and it's just like a, a name card on the mountain. It's like, that's this mountain and then drive straight through it in the pitch black. Whereas in England, you have to like drive around. I feel like we're in this weird right. age with language where uh, we have, you know, everything is being exhausted. And so we have to like work around these mountains. And I wonder if like uh, in anthropology and like the study of, and the study of language in the future if the internet and domain names are going to be this like giant uh, shift in how language is developed, uh, you know, probably, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's for good or bad. My guess is for bad, but, but it is what it is. <laughs> I feel like all of our language is going to dramatically change because of the internet. Wow. Well, yeah, I, I actually, I agree with that completely. Not, not just domain names, but like, yeah, everything. Um, you know, te- texting, speech, and emojis. <laughs> like we, mm-hmm. could go, we could go on and on. We're going back to like, too, uh, yeah, caveman know? days where we talk through right. pictures. We're going back yeah. to hier- hieroglyphics and, and stuff, and uh, which is gonna, it's pretty fascinating. Yes. So, so you've got this. You, you've got uh, Andy J Pizza is your um, your sort of online brand. Yeah. And um, you know, you're you're the host of a, a very popular podcast, Creative Pep Talk. It has um, a niche little audience that uh, is very passionate, and I am passionate about them. We have a, a, a weird, passionate symbiosis. Uh, it's a weird thing that has been carved out in this little uh, creative universe. I love it, and 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 that that passion certainly is apparent when you're when you're listening to the podcast, mm. and um, it's great. It's wonderful, Thank and. You. Not only are you interviewing folks, but you're you're offering, um, you know, something. Uh, just something. <laughs> <laughs> something. You're offering. You're offering a lot. So you're offering, you know, uh, a lot of advice and yeah. a lot of, um, you know, and and it's super great to hear. How how did you know? I love I love the story um, that you know you you're come from an illustration mm-hmm. background, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I'd love to hear about that and then the sort of evolution into, into doing what podcasting. I'm, yeah. Yeah. And do what, do what you're doing now. So, uh, so I still do, um, a lot of illustration. I'm almost, I've, I've tried to cut out, like I've tried to cut out a decent chunk of it because it's, I just end up doing uh, too much, but I still do illustration. I still love doing illustration. Um, I feel like, uh, man, uh, I'm my, I'm so bad and that I'm tempted to like go back to the womb every time I start a story. <laughs> I'm always like, oh, there was something <laughs> before that. What about this part before that? So I'll, I'll try to yeah, avoid doing that. But, um, <laughs> but, you know, I think, I think the, the, the main thing 
is that the thing that's driven me uh, since I was young even uh, was this idea that the, it's, I think it's best summarized. I always talk about this quote by Picasso where he said, the meaning of life is to find your gift and the purpose of life is to give it away. And I think that the meaning of life is finding your gift is the first part of that. And he talked, and I think that in our society, we think that you find your gift through like a 30 minute career aptitude test, right? Like it, you know, that, that like you're going to find the meaning of life in this, like just, you know, a little navel gazing or self-reflection or a Myers-Briggs test or something. And, uh, and I think that the thing that I think has served me better than anything else is that I've always seen finding my gift as a, a journey. And, and I've never been satisfied with like anything but the real thing. And I feel like I always had a sense, even though I don't feel like I'd ever properly tasted that, that exact sweet spot, I always felt like I had like a, a metal detector that was telling me that I was, you know, when I was getting warmer or when I was getting colder and I, and basically in that Picasso quote, I think there's also like the definition, um, you, you can kind of extrapolate the definition of a gift. And in my opinion, it's like, what's weird about you that other people want? And, uh, you know, if I, I always say like something weird about you that other people that helps other people, it's a superpower. And if you have something weird about you that doesn't, it's an abnormality. And I think like uh, a lot of creative people, myself included, have spent tons of time in a kind of self-obsessed place, you know, obsessed with this weird thing that we're into or this weird thing that we can do. Um, and it's more of an abnormality than it is a superpower, which is a problem if yeah. you want to create yeah. a career on the back of it. If you just mm-hmm. are doing it to express yourself and you're not worried about uh, or you don't feel called to, you know, do it for a living, that's fine. But for me... I always felt like it's either this or I'm going to have to fake insanity and be taken care of in some kind of home because I don't, I don't have anything else. Like this is what, this is what I know how to do. It's the only thing that kind of makes sense to me. And so I feel like, um, the first half of my journey was like just a series of science experiments. Like I'd have a hypothesis of what I think, you know, based on the data I have, this is my hypothesis of what I think my, uh, that gift is going to be. And I would do like a personal project to kind of test it out and invest in that path and then kind of assess how it went and then kind of press on or pivot. And this is kind of like, you know, looking back, it didn't feel that clear to me, but now I have this kind of system that I think about um, because I go on to help, try to help other people do the same thing. Um, And by no means if I feel like I'm, I completely found it, but I definitely feel like I made a lot of progress. So anyway, all that to say that that's kind of, that was kind of the process of getting to creative pep talk. Um, and even before creative pep talk, I already had a full-time career in illustration that was doing really well, but, um, I do feel like, you know, cosmically we'll say, uh, creative pep talk has some extra sauce than, uh, anything else I've ever put my hands on. Um, and I definitely feel like I'm kind of nearing that sweet spot. So anyway, um, I'm going on an enormous rant, but <laughs> the, but the no, it's, it's not a rant at all. That's great. <laughs> okay. So the, the, the idea was just basically, um, it's funny because looking back, it always kind of hindsight, you can kind of just see all the dots and how they kind of came together. Um, I've always been obsessed with public speaking ever since I was, uh, a teenager. I didn't really yeah. realize that about myself. Did, did you all, did you, uh, were you ever fearful of it? Before, yes. Like when you're younger? Yeah. The funny thing is, uh, it kind of, the journey is kind of weird because, um, when I was in high school or even before that, well, actually it's all kind of weird. So the first time I ever remember public speaking at all was like getting up in front of the school in like second grade. And, and I'm a really goofy dude. I was always the class clown, like, I, you know, didn't have a lot of fear of these kinds of things. Uh, you know, I wanted to be on Saturday Night Live, like for most of my life. Um, and uh, so, so I never had that. But the first memory I have of speaking in public, I completely choked on my line. Uh, we were doing some kind of rehearsed thing in front of the school. Literally could not speak while I was up there. 
And I don't even know, I have no idea what happened. And that was my first memory. But then after that, like middle school and high school, I used public speaking to like get through classes and, and get grades that I probably didn't deserve. Like, you know, oral book reports <laughs> that I, books I hadn't read, but I would get up there and like make a giant show. There was one time in particular in like an English class where I got up there and it was kind of like Dwight from the office when he does his speech at the, at the convention. I was pounding my right. fists on the desk and like trying to, you know, like shock the, the my class and uh, just weird, <laughs> weird things that um, I was really comfortable doing that and kind of just um, probably just BSing my way through it. And I think the funny thing is that as I got uh, older and, and, uh, and I started my illustration career and I started having a few opportunities in my early 20s to go talk, I think I was probably in that same mindset of like, you know, I'll just BS myself, BS my way through this in a way and just be silly and stuff. And the first two kind of opportunities like that, I massively bombed. Uh, And there's a lot I could talk about there, but just suffice it to say, it was a a terrible experience, some of the worst experience of my life. And, uh, and so I didn't do any talks for, for years after that, like two, two, two or three years after that. And I got another little opportunity in my local town and, and they, you know, they asked me several times and I was like, I didn't want to do it because I, you know, I just felt like I didn't, didn't know how to approach it really. And it had gone so poorly other times. And so I just, I dug super deep. I read everything I could about how to make a good talk. And I, I put in tons of time thinking about like, what should my posture be up there? Like, what's the appropriate posture in terms of my attitude about, you know, what I'm coming there to do and all that jazz. And this was like 2014. And uh, I did the talk. And that day was probably the most cosmically magical day of my life. And that, you know, when I did the talk, I could feel, you know, that metal detector of the gifting thing. I was just like, Nothing I've ever done in my life has felt as right as what I'm doing right now. It was like everything had been wow. set up for that moment. And it was just a tiny little talk. And I, and, um, after that, directly after that moment was when I started to conceive of doing the podcast as it is now. And I'd never done the podcast wow. up to that time. Um, cause I was like, I've got to figure out basically again, this take this hypothesis and kind of prove it with, with uh, a project and say, and I just thought, the only way I'm going to get, you know, get momentum behind this and start getting invited to conferences and stuff is if I take the reins in my hands and like create basically an online portfolio of talks. Wow. So, the, so the creation of the podcast was, was in a way to, to, to get more speaking, uh, opportunities for that you. was definitely, uh, I will, I will say, and I've kind of, I've thought a lot about this. I will say that there were probably, um, five or six layers of strategy, which I won't go into just because it's just a lot of stuff to talk about. But, but <laughs> I, you know, I think as I went through kind of, um, mastering the art of the side project, which I haven't done, but, you know, working on this idea of like, how do you make personal work that really pushes things forward in a direct, deliberate way? And so yeah. one of the ways, one of the things that's always happening is, you know, a portfolio proving that you can do what you want to get hired to do. And that mm-hmm. was definitely a part of it. But I will say that more than anything, um, the reason why I think that there's really like uh, some kind of magic sauce on this thing isn't because of me at all. It's just because I, it's such a part of my passion and my history. My, my mom uh, is a creative person and her life has been really tragic. Uh, and I have, friends in high school who are definitely more talented than me and, and, and who, who have had really tragic lives, um, you know, being creatives in a system that really doesn't understand them and, and not really having a roadmap. Uh, and so I think more than anything, the, it, it was more just like a dot on the map that said, this is the next right thing to do. That's in yeah. line with like what I feel like I'm here to be doing. And so for me, the passion and the and the heart definitely comes before any of the strategy. Although there are lots of layers of strategy, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. It does. Like it, and and that's like the the inspiration for for 
doing the podcast in your case, um, yeah. is, is genuine, right? And yes. I, that, that matters uh, yeah. immensely, I think, when you're doing this stuff. So you, you touched on something that's it's really interesting, I think, because uh, you were talking about a portfolio should show, you know, the kind of work that you want to do, right? Yes. Um, and, and, and that in your case, like, well, I want to, I want to speak more, um, a podcast, uh, not the only reason you created it, obviously, but yeah. one of the reasons yeah. this will get, this will, this will prove sort of like, you know, this thing I want to do yes. before I actually been hired as a quote unquote professional for it. Right. Yeah. Which I think is really interesting. Like, and you could apply that to, to a lot of creative, um, yeah, you can apply it to right? almost anything. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You and your your podcast um, does touch on this quite a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Certain episodes, and and it'd be cool to go into that a little bit. Like, uh, I think you have some some wonderful advice about you know if you're stuck. Yeah, start 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 a side project um, and go for it yeah. rather than sitting around wondering how am I ever gonna how am I ever gonna do this? You know. Yes. Um, Man, obviously, I, <laughs> I could literally talk hundreds of hours about this as I have on my podcast. So I have so much to say. So, uh, but let's um, fit all of your podcasts know, into this one episode. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but uh, so you know, it's my passion uh, is this idea of like the art. I call it like uh, the uh, the art of the break in. It's like you know, I think you know, 50% of being a creative, being successful as a creative is kind of being like a cat burglar with various markets of like you know, being the expert that knows how to break in because, you know, it's a, it, it, there's, it's a, all these things, doing these things for a living, it's a lot of bottleneck situations where there's so many people that want to do this and, uh, and, yeah, you know, yeah. clog up the whole system and the only, you know, 50% of it is being legit. And that's like the starting block, like being good at what you do is the, is the first thing, but it's only about half of the equation. If that, the other half is, um, you know, how do you gain traction? How do you have a breakthrough? And, um, so that's been something that is kind of perpetually on my mind. And then the other thing yeah. is that, um, that, you know, when I was, when I was really struggling at the beginning of my career, one of the things I would do, one of the, what I started doing was reading tons of interviews and like biographies and, and all this with creative people that have been successful, uh, in creativity. And I feel like there's all kinds of like myths and really unhelpful ideas out there about what it takes to succeed as a creative, you know, namely luck is the one that gets the most play, um, or fate or whatever. And I, and I know that luck, privilege, fate, all these things, they are real things. It's not like they don't exist. It's not like, um, they're not a factor. They are all a factor, but they don't help you knowing that. Right. doesn't really do anything for you. And there are a lot of things that, that, uh, that you can know and that you can implement and that you can do that actually uh, really work half the time, at least considerably well. And, uh, you know, I kept reading all these interviews and, and, and so many creative people were so, you know, they always want to, uh, a lot of them are going to uh, dodge questions about how did you do what you've done or have a lot of self doubt about whether they deserve what they have and, um, all that kind of jazz. And I think that there ended up being these kind of two different ways of thinking about it that I think are both really unhelpful. One is thinking that the only way ahead is like a shortcut. So like skipping the journey, you know, getting, you know, really avoiding developing your gift in the first place and just figuring out a way to hack your way in. Um, and, you know, I think that I probably was susceptible to that stuff early on and I got some opportunities that I wasn't ready for. And, you know, uh, my ass got torched uh, on several occasions of like getting these opportunities that I wasn't ready for. And I always say it's like uh, using the magic whistle in Super Mario Brothers 3 and and getting to Bowser before you'd really played the game or collected any mushrooms yeah, or had it, you right. know, met Luigi and all that. And so he just like uh, torches you and that happened to me. And and that's like what the shortcuts can get you. Uh, but then the other side of it is like, there's no shortcut. There's no long cut. There is no real map. And we're all just floating randomly. So quit even trying to have any strategy or, or technique or anything because it doesn't matter 
and there's you can't really uh, influence your trajectory, which I think is equally as harmful and and untrue. But I think both of those uh, mindsets are really prevalent in the creative world, and I think a lot of my ideas are kind of combating those things and saying, okay, there's no sure thing. It is tough. Uh, but there are a lot of ideas and practices and, and, you know, I think about like, I have ADHD by the way. So I'm just like, I can easily hop from thing to thing. So I apologize for that. But, um, no, it's all good. It's all good. I want to go back to something you were talking about, which is luck, right? So, and I, there's a, an episode of yours that I was listening to recently. And I think you, you mentioned this, like, Mm. Uh, success. I'm going to botch this probably, of course, but <laughs> luck, something about uh, luck being, uh, do something once you're lucky, t- do do it twice. You're good. I think. Yes. But, I don't remember where that quote comes from, but yeah, uh, not I think sure it's either, totally but, true. And that I'm going to attribute it to you because <laughs> right, <that's probably> <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. Whatever. Yeah. It yeah. sounds really, uh, sounds <laughs> really good. Uh, but I, that, that's the thing that happened to me and actually, um, in the book, The Dip, which is one of my favorite books by Seth Godin, uh, he talks about how, you know, I think when you're like, when you start out on anything, but then especially things that are like to do with uh, your gift and like what what you really what you really have, I think you get a certain amount of beginner's luck at the start. And for me, that was true. And that I at the start of my career, I definitely had some lucky breaks that helped me gain some momentum, but ultimately because I wasn't ready and because I couldn't, it ended up being kind of like a one hit wonder situation where until you know how to do this thing on command and whether you're in, in be in command of your creative career success and, and, and making this stuff happen, um, it's just inevitable that at some point you're kind of going to get washed up and, and get into a tricky situation. And so, um, I had, I'd already had a kid at that point when things kind of went dry and I knew that um, I, I started gravitating towards all the different things that you could do, like mastering your craft and, and, and understanding the business and the marketing side and stacking the deck in your favor in whatever ways possible so that you're not at the mercy of this random uh, going with the flow kind of thing. And so... Uh, so yeah, that, that's kind of the thing I ended up doing was trying to figure out, and, and now I have like actual systems and practices and principles around this idea of like um, slowly but surely pivoting and, and pressing on through um, iteration to iteration of your, your career. And you know, one of the things I, I think about a lot recently is, um, I think it's Epictetus who, who was like a philosopher who said, uh, you know, the only constant is change. And I think, you know, the thing, you know, you sitting around worrying about whether everything's going to change and your, you know, career is going to disappear um, is, is pointless because the truth is you can guarantee that everything's going to change. It is absolutely, so no, yeah. you don't have to sit around and worry about it. Totally. You just have to know that that's going to happen and figure out like, what are your practices to um, consistently uh, change with it? And, and so for me, um, that's why I wanted to gravitate towards like, what are the principles behind, uh, a lifelong successful creative career because my kids eating de- depends on it. <laughs> so like, you know, so if I was going to plan to do this, so that, that's where all this comes from is like, uh, it, it is, I think it's, it's less magical than we think it is just in the same way that science is less rational than we think it is in that like, you know, so many breakthroughs in science came through like chance, uh, circumstance or, or lucky guesses or like, you know, all kinds yeah. of random magical kind of coincidence. But I think creativity, I, I honestly think in, in, in the world that I kind of <laughs> sound like a weird politician or something, but the, we, the world that I'm like hoping for, for the future of creative people is that we take, and I think it's happening, like neuroscience is studying what is creativity? What are the good, like, um, you know, who's predisposed to it? Like, can we move from only having intelligent quotient tests, you know, having IQ tests to having creative quotient tests? Because they, you know, neuroscience says that those things aren't in direct correlation. So 
I, I think we're going to move towards a world where like creativity is treated more like a science, not as an exact science, but more where um, we can trust the people that can do it and uh, we can learn how it works a bit and, and we can become an increasingly more creative society. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> I don't know where, how did I get on that? But, um, but yeah, that, that, that's kind of that's been my practice is like, how do you take, uh, uh, how do you not um, rely on luck uh, to, to, to be your guide in your career? Yeah, yeah, because it, and it and it's so unhelpful to hear from someone that's been successful for a long time say, yes. uh, you know, ask how do you, how do you get there? Oh, I always got lucky. Lucky, you know, sort like, of like oh, an easy way to no. answer the question. But <laughs> yeah, I hated that, and I you know I was reading all the, and that's why I think what ended up happening was like I was reading all those interviews early on, and I was studying the people that weren't one hit wonders that had clearly like you know, had several big iterations in their uh, career, knew how to show up and deliver the goods on a regular basis creatively. And even those people, a lot of them wouldn't admit that they had anything to do with their success. Um, You know, I think for whatever reason, that just like really creeps creative people out. You know, I get it. Yeah, to sound sound calculated, you know. Yeah. It kind of kills yeah. the mystery. I get, I get yeah. all of those reasons, you know, and I sympathize with them for sure. Um, you know, for instance, like I, before I did the podcast and even, um, even now, I think that I'm probably sacrificing some level, any, any level of mystery or, uh, coolness that I could possibly have by, you know, you know, spilling my guts every week and, and, and talking about all the, all my ideas of how to like advance in your career. And, you know, none of you, it definitely does not make what I do look effortless, which is, I think it's, it becomes a little bit harder to enjoy creativity when you, when it doesn't feel effortless. So I, you know, I always think about, I'm sacrificing some of that, but, um, but ultimately, yeah, I kept like looking at all these people that, clearly had a craft to what they were doing. And even if they weren't outward, even if they didn't know how they were doing what they were doing, I started to try to like, you know, uh, look at the page and start connecting the dots and seeing the patterns and, and kind of seeing the constellations within the vast solar system of stars so that you can kind of navigate it. Um, so yeah, that, that, yeah, I think it's, and I'm, and I, you know, I, I'm hopeful that like, a lot of these things become more of a science too, meaning that we kind of, you know, there's a lot of study in creativity and, and how the brain works and and what brains are predisposed to that. And I mainly because I want to see creative people uh, valued because they're incredibly valuable and we're going to need yeah. them more and more as like robots take over everything. <laughs> so, yeah. Ah, uh, yes, you're absolutely right there. Uh <laughs> And plus, I think the problems, the problems of the world are going to get more complex, yes. and, and and we're going to get we're going to need to be more creative yeah. <laughs> to to just survive, yeah. right? Um, totally. Um, so you've been doing this the podcast for uh, a little over three years now. Yeah, a little over three years, yeah. and um, you know, you've it's grown and grown. And what do you think is the the uh, there's probably not one secret yeah. in here, but like, right. you know, like what, what, what do you think attributed to the, the success of, uh, of creative pep talk? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, and I think that, I think that there are a billion answers to that. I will say let's, why don't I just start with, there was definitely a, uh, a decent portion of luck. <laughs> Just to go against everything, but I just, just, just answer luck and that's oh, it. Oh, just luck. I got lucky. Um, you know, yeah. I, I mean, even that though, I feel like there's a definitely a level of calculated right place, right time. I talk a lot about on the podcast about like, how do you maximize your potential to be at the right place at the right time? Because, um, it is yeah. a game changer, but it's also something you have some control over. So like, uh, you know, I think it helped that I started it in 2014. I wanted to start it in 2010 is when I first thought about doing a podcast, but it was so, there were a lot more hurdles then. Uh, and, and it was even more bizarre to do what I wanted to do. And that there was just nothing in our, 
uh, in design or illustration in that way. Uh, and I was just petrified and I, you know, and I also wasn't in a place to really tell anybody else how to do anything. I was just learning myself like a bunch of new things. Um, but 2014 was a really good time to start a podcast because, um, you know, serial came out, I think the next year, uh, it kind of became a more mainstream thing. Um, I always tell people to look for wilderness instead of paved roads. Like one of the things that happens in creativity is once there's like, 8,000 tutorials and 50 apps to make that thing the easiest thing possible. Like the treasure at the end of that road is gone. So, you know, I think 2014 was like a good balance of like, there was still quite a bit of a buy-in to get into podcasting and that like, you know, there wasn't an app that instantly turned your audio file into podcast. You had to figure out how to host it right. and, you know, right. get it on the iTunes server right. and all that kind of jazz. The barrier to entry yes. is, is, is much lower now. Yeah, it totally. is. And I, so, you know, timing was a thing. Uh, I don't think it was the only thing, but I think it was a thing. I think it's another thing going for me is that it's a really authentic thing in that I, I naturally have tons of stuff to say about this. It's a natural passion of mine, you know, speaking and in, in creative career, um, I also am, I've been crazy about podcasts since probably 2008. I've been listening like crazy mm. to public speaking and, and podcasts and talks and all that. Um, so I'm, it's an authentic place for me to slot in. Then, you know, if you fast forward it into like, just like practices that podcasts can do to, to maximize their potential, I think, um, uh, one thing that always works is connecting with other podcasts, whether that's having p- people from the podcasting world on your show or people or, uh, or vice versa, <laughs> yeah, <that's okay>. like, <laughs> uh, you know, getting, <laughs> getting acquainted and it's essentially networking is, is probably the grossest word for it, but, um, making friends in that world and getting connected has been a big deal. Um, and then I, you know, ultimately, uh, I think that probably the biggest thing is that, um, if I was going to narrow it down to one thing is that I committed to a hundred episodes before I started because I've done oh, wow. a billion yeah. things, uh, you know, a billion personal projects. And I always know that, you know, Zig Ziglar, who's like the old timey public speaker, motivational speaker guy would say, you got to prime the pump. Like you can pump, the, <laughs> you can pump, uh, you, you can prime the pump for ages and have only drops of water. And I think like for me, I thought you take a hypothesis of like, I think this is the next right thing. So I thought a podcast is that seems like the next logical thing that I need to really explore. And then really, really give, invest in and jump uh, head in and uh, collect enough data to really know whether that's a thing. Because when, you know, when I did a I did a daily drawing project where I did a new character every weekday for a year back in uh, Mm, 2011. And when I did that, I had done all my research and I was like, I know this is the next thing that I need to really, really investigate. It's the best, uh, best thing I got to try to figure out the next step. And I think I, so there was 260 characters because it was every weekday and I took off weekends and probably like the first 140 days, there was like, crickets like no blogs picked it up like you know i was getting like two or three notes on tumblr sometimes zero uh and like 140 characters in uh tumblr featured it on their radar and one of the posts gets like 5000 likes and then you know a few weeks later it gets mm. featured on one of the bigger blogs and eventually turns into more client work and that kind of restarted rebooted my creative career um and so i like learned uh a lot about like i feel like nowadays with social media and you have all this data and it's one of those things where it's like if you think about it like a science you know you you have to realize that you have to collect a decent portion of data before that data means anything and so one of the things that happens all the time i feel like with creative people is they don't trust their gut they don't trust their you know their internal metal detector about the work they should be doing they make a random guess at a piece that they want to do. They throw it on Instagram and they decide whether it was good or bad based on how many likes it gets. And, yeah, you know, if yeah. I would have done that after a year of doing my podcast, I think I had like 500 listeners an episode, like, you know, n- nothing to write home about, it, 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 nothing special about that at all. Um, 
the quality, the quantity of the feedback was still really small, but the quality of the feedback was so good. It was so much better than anything that I'd ever done that it gave me the, mm. the confidence to push on. And so I think, I think that's the main takeaway for me is that like it required a really deep, consistent uh, investment before there was before it paid any dividends or before it even really looked like it was a smart move in the first place. Yeah, yeah. So, so from from an outsider's perspective, like someone that has just discovered yeah. you and your podcast and your work, they'd be like, "Wow, how, how did you get there?" And then one answer would be just be like. Look, I, I I worked my ass off. Yeah. For, for, I did an for, episode know, of the podcast, you know, right? uh, before I ever had a sponsor. I'd probably done uh, every single week, done a new episode of the podcast. Uh, wow. Worked, you know, like those are like half days to full days to two days uh, sometimes working on these yeah. things every single week before I ever made a dime off of it or it really made a yeah, well. significant difference. And I, and, 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 you know, and so I always think about like, well, why was I willing to do that? Because I'm not like some crazy disciplined person that just does it like a freak. It was all yeah, based on what's that. You, you love, you love to, you, I love you're to passionate do it. Yeah. It, right? that, that, I mean, right, obviously yeah. that's definitely yeah. true. Uh, beyond that though, is that I had done all of the homework, like to me, it was a combination of three things. I was, I'm obsessed with doing it. The second thing is I'd done the homework up front to say, this is my next best guess. Even if it's not kicking off yet, like this is the best idea I have about like what comes next in the career. And I really believe it. I'd done enough homework. And then beyond that, the feed, even the quantity of feedback wasn't fantastic in terms of numbers. The quality of feedback was unlike anything I'd ever done. And so that, that combination of those three things, was the perfect trifecta to keep me going for years before anything really turned in anything. It wasn't really that special. You know, it's kind of embarrassing to like just hammer at something for give so much time and energy, you know, when you have three kids and you have a, 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 yeah, a mortgage and be like, yeah, I'm going to spend yeah. uh, a day a week on this thing that does not seem like it's doing anything even after a year and yeah. a half. <laughs> So, yeah, there's all kinds of ways that I had to trick myself into thinking uh, to continue. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that, you know, persistence, right? Yeah. Matters. Yes. And uh, persistence plus passion, right? Yeah. Can, can equal, uh, you know, something successful. Really interesting things. Right. And, and I think the other thing that was good was that and this is a, this is a general thing that I would encourage people on personal projects because I think it's all a mental game you know so many people they know that personal projects and and and, t- and personal projects you know is an overused word it's just essentially like taking an initiative and then in really investing in yourself in any significant way uh, I feel like it's a mind game on how to get yourself to do that. And, and I've always tried to figure out how do I hack my brain into being disciplined about a thing? And one of the ways I do it with, with personal projects is saying, you know, stack the deck in your favor in terms of how much strategy can you pour into this so that you can guarantee it's going to be a success on some metric, even if the metric is the, the worst case scenario is if you fully investigate that path and it turns out to be uh, a dud, you've just got that much closer to finding a legitimate path because you crossed that one off your list. So at the very least, if the podcast was a complete failure, I would know, I guess podcasting isn't really going to be my thing. Uh, and, and I yeah, think you, right, you look right. at like uh, Thomas Edison like would talk about that where he's like, you know, it took him a thousand tries to figure out how to make a light bulb. And, and, he, and, and he was like, yeah, every one of those was one step closer to inventing the light bulb. Uh, and so I think... Because it takes it out of the equation yeah. and lets you focus you know, a little bit more. Yeah, well, absolutely. hypothesis off the list, you can go, you don't have that FOMO in the back of your head. And there's been a bunch of things like that. You know, when I did that character design project, part of my suspicion was like, maybe I'll be a character designer. And then I did that for a year and I got some character design jobs and I absolutely hated them. And I got crushed by real character designers. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm not a, <laughs> guess I'm not a character designer. Uh, I'm something else. And so, and, and, and that's just one example of like, that's what I told you about. The podcast had like eight layers of strategy. It had, I'm going to definitely explore this path. 
I'm going to create a portfolio of talks. So even if I don't ever make money on sponsors, I might make money on booking conference gigs. Uh, you know, I'm going to use it as an opportunity to create branded content for my illustration as marketing. Cause I'm like, uh, you know, possibly like, uh, other designers and illustrators are going to listen to this and share it. And then I will have access mm-hmm. to their networks and people that hire them. And so there's like, and literally that's only like the first three of like 10 looking back, I realized like there's all these different ways that I knew, even if it never ended up making me a dime on sponsors, that it was going to be successful, even if it was just in that it eliminated one of the hypothesis, uh, hypotheses that I had in my mind about, uh, what I should be doing. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's awesome. It's a weird, wow. dude, my, what, sometimes I don't think like, I get like just an ounce of self-awareness and look at like what a weirdo I am. I'm with you then. Yeah, that's funny. I'm, I'm a, we- I'm a fellow weirdo. And yes. I think probably a lot, a lot of folks listening to this are probably, uh, that is, fellow that is weirdos as thing. well. Yeah, that's good. Right. Yeah. It, it totally is. Um, yeah. And I mean, looking at your, I'm looking at your, your dribble profile mm-hmm. right now. And I think that one of the things that, that really struck me obviously is, is, the fact that you can bring your illustration talent to something that's not visual, right? Yeah. <laughs> You've got the artwork for the podcast is phenomenal. Oh and, man, uh, thank you. Yeah, it really is. And and you know that that makes a huge difference too, I, I think. You know what's um, amazing about that? What you know what is absolutely amazing about uh I, I've never been more passionate about illustration than when I've taken this weird side road into public speaking. And, I'll, and there's a billion reasons why, but one of the main reasons is, you know, one of the, I think one of the things that happens as creative uh, professionals is that you constantly question whether what you do has any actual worth or whether you're just BSing all the time. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, you know, yeah. when you're, when you're quoting somebody for whatever or whatever it is, you know, your self-worth and, and the worth of what you do. And what was, yeah. what's amazing about Creative Pep Talk for me was, it was like proving to myself the power of good uh, illustration online and the ability it has to cut through because, you know, because of the podcast artwork, there have been so many crazy opportunities that wouldn't have come my way had I had no, no artwork for my podcast or not good artwork. You know, whether that was uh, early mm-hmm. days, like Apple sent me a, uh, a contract that said, they could use the artwork in in whatever promotion that they do for like iTunes, which I guess is now called Apple Music. They've been forward, or I think it's called that. Is that what it's called? Apple something. I think it's Apple mm, Music. Yeah. It's not called Apple iTunes Music. anymore. Is that true? Oh, uh, that's a good question. <laughs> I hope so, because iTunes is a, is a really terrible name yeah. for what it's become absolutely <laughs> yeah and, and so they but they sent me uh early on even before the podcast really had gotten anywhere they sent me just on the strength of the podcast artwork had sent me a contract to say hey can we use this like you know they i think they ended up yeah. using it on one of their support pages and on their twitter that and said uh, when they launched the feature that's where your iphone pauses uh, when you're mm. getting directions. Mm. Um, and so they use the artwork on that and like just seeing all the different ways that it helps add value by cutting through the noise online. If you have eye catching imagery, um, that's, that's interesting. And so to me, it's like, it has really boosted my confidence as an illustrator of like, someone pays me to make an illustration. It does have legitimate power to elevate the brand. And I better Absolutely. make sure that I get paid for that. Um, absolutely. Yes. This is a great, this is a great topic in itself. I think, um, like the power of, uh, you know, like there, there's people that talk about design, yeah. uh, in, in, in a purely problem solving manner. And, and then there's, there's also, you know, illustration and, and art and, um, but I don't, I never see those things as, as mutually exclusive. And I, mm. and, and, and this is a good example of, of how, what you just said is, you know, great illustration. Uh, in this case, you know, really art artwork. I, yeah. I see it as um, can elevate uh, the brand and uh, actually help. You know, yes, the bottom line in quotes. You know, yeah. <laughs> so um, this that, that's fantastic. Uh, and I'm not surprised they they asked you for um, oh, thanks. 
you know, for permission to use this stuff because it really, it really stands out. And um, uh, it's not. So I think it's. I'll say that. Apple Podcasts is that is that what they just renamed it to? Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. Apple something. But they, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it's, yeah, I would say that my art is definitely not subtle. It's definitely loud. It's definitely like you know. I, I could use. I could learn a few lessons about you know being. being well, it has pers- it, it has a personality, and what's cool is it you know that that your style is a, con- a consistent thread through all of them, regardless yeah. of who the the yeah. guest or the topic is, which mm-hmm. I think is really is really really strong. And, and uh, back to that idea, you know, I think the first, uh, you know, I'm not a designer in that. You know, I I have a graphic design degree. Uh, I have spent a crazy amount of time studying design and, and graphic designers and, 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 you know, designers of all different walks. I am an a insane fan of designers. I think we can learn so much from designers about everything because everything they do, you know, I talk to illustrators all the time and say, if you want to do a good talk, go look how, uh, the best designers do a talk because they design their talk. And they, so they design everything. And so uh, one of the things I learned from them is, uh, and I've been writing about this recently, is, you know, I think the first thing you got to do is ask yourself, what's the value or purpose to your creativity? If you're going to, if you're going to make a living on it, uh, you have to have a value proposition. And I think designers have been so incredible about um, starting at that square one and saying, what is design? Like what's the purpose of design? And and and, uh, and and there's been so many debates, really fruitful debates about helping us understand like what are we supposed to be doing as designers? And you know, with that clarity of purpose or attempting to gain clarity on it, you end up being able to command it and execute it at such a high level. And actually, for me, I think one of the biggest steps to becoming a, a better illustrator was um, several back. You know, early days, I was like. I want to be. I want to be able to take my future into my own hands and not rely completely on luck. Which means I need to become a master craftsman of a thing. And so I, I, I thought, and I think it's illustration. I think is like my gift. And so I thought, well, what the heck is good illustration? In quotes. And I was, and I was like, all right, I'm going to go buy the books and go read about it and figure out like what it is and learn all the practices. And there actually like wasn't that much. And I would say out there about that. And, and, and I learned so much about how to dig into that from designers because there is so much about what is good design. And so I, uh, you know, at the time I thought I was learning about design, but I was actually learning about how you understand your value, uh, and how you get to the bottom of that. And so now I have a bunch of, you know, a whole thesis about what is good illustration and that helps me move towards that target, I think. Um, and in that same way, you know, one of the things that illustration can do is grab attention in a way that text alone can't. And so how do you get right, really good right. at mastering the art of that? Because that's what people are going to pay you for. That's just one of the things mm-hmm. that illustration does. There's a, you know, a bunch of other things, but, um, but yeah, I've been really inspired by, you know, people like Dieter Rams who say, these are the top, these are the, 10 things that define good design or, or Frank Chimero talking about trying to define what is design. Those, those were so pivotal, pivotal to me because, um, yeah, I think that if you're going to be a professional, you better know why is there your industry? Why does it exist? Why do we need it? Um, cause if you don't know, how could you possibly, you're blindfolded trying to hit a target. But yeah, I think that that was a good point that you made about kind of starting there and, and trying to understand your, yeah, your, your value and all that. So I wanted to pause here and tell you more about our sponsor for this week's episode. It's Wix.com. And with Wix, the web is your playground. Start with a blank slate and design your website in any layout you want. Work with advanced features like retina-ready image galleries, custom font sets, and sophisticated design effects. Each feature is intuitive to use, so you're in control from design to live. With Wix, you'll have real creative freedom to tell your story online, exactly the way you envisioned it. Push the limits of design and start creating beautiful, impactful websites that are uniquely yours. Go to Wix.com slash dribble to get started today. That's Wix.com slash dribble. 
Quix, what will you create? So what's what's next for uh, what's next for you? Like what's what's the future hold for for you and the podcast and, and everything? It's a good question. I uh, uh, I had I think that one what ended up happening um, was last spring, this past spring, I uh, I kind of had a burnout because I was doing an online class, I was doing my illustration, I was doing uh, the podcast, I was doing I did an event called Creative Pep Rally. Um, I was just doing, I was just going, I was doing public speaking, just all kinds of stuff. And, uh, I ended up really burning out and I, and I actually don't think that I burn out because I was doing too much stuff. I think I burn out because I was, um, I think I was just feeling like allowing the burden to, to rest on me and being like, I have to know how I'm going to do all of this and I'm going to have to do it all by myself and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, um, so I took kind of a weird break from a bunch of stuff and kind of stripped back to just doing the podcast and doing illustration. And that was good because I was um, working on a kid's book that I illustrated and, and you know, doing client wow. stuff and all that jazz for the past six months or so. And all that's been good. But I think the next step is I'm going to turn up the heat again. And, uh, and I'm feeling really good about this next stage. And I think the next thing I'm going to do is, you know, I, I've put out several books. I did a... Uh, an anthology and I really like to author a book and I hate admitting this because I don't know if I can, I don't know. You know, I'm definitely more of a speaker than a writer, uh, you know, and, and, um, I've been working on a text and a, and a kind of concept for a book for a long time and talk to a lot of publishers about it. And, um, I, I'm very much in the middle of that marathon. So I don't know how it's going to, I don't know how it's going to go. I don't, um, but I have a book in me. I have at least one or two um, that I really want to uh, get out. I just have to figure out how to synthesize it. Like, how do I get that out there? So it's, and it's based on podcast stuff. So, you know, creative career stuff. Um, and that's the thing I'm trying to hammer. Uh, and uh, it's, it's good though. You know, the cool thing with the podcast is that I kind of know that nothing is wasted. So it's kind of this weird, yeah. uh, kind of, I don't know, it's like sadistic in a way of like when I'm in these inner turmoil of the brick wall and really it's driving me mad and I want to tear my hair out and I think I'm going to fail. There's a weird inner inner place in me that's like, one day this is going to make great fodder for the podcast. Like <laughs> one day, I'm going to learn something in this dark uh, night of the soul that I can turn into some kind of principle or something. Um, uh, so, you know, that's kind of where I'm at. Like I, I'm learning. I a lot love it. I, I love the, the, the uh, like deciding that, you know, using, not throwing anything away yeah. and, uh, and, and, and realizing that, all the experiences that you have can be useful for, for the next thing. That's, that's really, uh, I've heard really like, uh, stand up comedians talk about it. Like, uh, when a tragedy happens in their life, cause like a lot of tragedy ends up being comedic, like something mm. really tragic happens in their life. And there's just this really sick part of them. That's like, this is going to be so good in my act in three years. Like, like, <laughs> oh, like it's so messed up, but it's kind of it like is. that in that, you know, right now I'm thinking a lot about, uh, I'm at another place where I'm, I'm, I'm in this place with publishing where I'm like, I feel like I either, two things are happening. Either I'm trying to do something that's really different, uh, in the publishing world and trying to figure out how to strategically break into that because there's a lot of hurdles there. Um, and Mm -hmm. then either that's happening or I'm going to learn that, uh, I'm really barking up the wrong tree. I shouldn't make I shouldn't write books and I'm going to learn somehow uh, I'm going to learn something about eliminating uh, bad paths on your, on your radar. Um, so there's mm-hmm. something there's one of these things is going on. Um, <laughs> only time will tell. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I think your, your, your positive attitude is, is infectious there in terms of like, <laughs> you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try this and, and, uh, and who knows? I, I, it reminds me of, um, uh, Jim Jim Kudal, uh, yeah. you know, runner of, of Field Notes yeah. with, with Aaron Draplin and and, uh, and, and like yeah, Kudal Partners exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, and um, you know, I remember this is a long time ago. I saw him speak uh, somewhere, and he was saying like, 
you know, people are like, what, what's, what's your next project? You know? And, and, mm-hmm. uh, and he's like, he's like, well, it, it's going to be the, it's going to be great. The failure is going to be fun to watch, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. like, whatever it is. Like it's, you know, I can't wait till it fails and burns to the ground so yeah. I can, you know, but, I, I can do the next thing. And I think that that sort of attitude of like, um, fearless, <laughs> fearless forward progress is, uh, is, is really healthy. Yeah. There's something about, um, I, I think probably everything that I, I do always comes back to like finding the most, the, the most, uh, the most powerful mindset that serves you the best, uh, for the maximum amount of progress towards your goal. And so mm-hmm. I think I'm always trying to find out, you know, what is the mental, uh, uh, jujitsu that you do to help you? It's kind of like, a great way of thinking about it is there's that book called Mindset by uh, Carol Dweck, uh, where it's it's about the fixed mindset versus the growth mindset. And basically, everything that you're doing is how do you figure out to stay in the growth mindset? Because a fixed mindset, which I definitely is my it's definitely my nature, which is the which is just saying um, your talent, your IQ, your destiny, everything's fixed, and that kind of mindset ends up really hurting your ability to try new things, to work hard. Uh, you always feel like you're having to prove you're worthy rather than trying to work to be worthy at something. And so I think um, ultimately, I'm always trying to figure out what is the way to look at things in such a way that you can make progress. Um, and then also, I think the other funny, the funny thing about being um, the, the creative pep talk guy is that I'm not actually naturally positive. Uh, I'm probably naturally a complainer, naturally like, yeah. I don't know, doomsday. Like I, and I, like, I think because I have like a really wide, uh, gamut of, uh, emotion, I have really negative emotions and like, I can, I, because of all that, I feel like I've had to learn legitimate practices to move forward towards, struggles and problems and, and, and breakthrough. Um, so that's all, maybe like the only reason I feel like I can articulate some of those things is because if I can't put them into a systematic practice, I will fail worse than anybody else because I will instantly be self-sabotaging and be negative and think that the world's against me and all that jazz. If I don't figure out special ways of looking at these, these problems and these paths, I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. It does. It does. I, I also, I, I think that's a good balance though, actually. Mm. Uh, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, it's not, it's definitely not like as the Brits would say, rose tinted spectacles. Like I don't have, right, like, right. one of the things I think about a lot is that I think the podcast is a motivational podcast, but, but I believe that your only real mo- motivation is legitimate strategy. That's the only thing that gives you real hope is like, this is actually going to work. And then it works. And then, that's what fuels your motivation is that that idea worked. And if I go get another idea that's going to work, that's going to work. And that's what actually keeps you motivated. Not some kind of, you know, there's no empty, uh, empty affirmations on my podcast. There's no like, I'm not against like mystical thinking per se, but I, I, there's no empty, you, you, you know, you can do it. I know, I believe in you when I'm talking to, you know, 10,000 people or whatever, like, no, I don't believe in all of you doing what you're doing. So a lot of people, you're probably, a lot of you are probably on the wrong path, but I can tell you, here's some good ideas of how to know whether you're on the right path, how to get closer to the path you should be doing, uh, you know, some ways of testing that and, and really have your hope in the, in the system and in sound strategy. And that's, so ultimately I am always trying to make people feel hopeful. That is probably my actual end goal, but the way I try to get there is actual sound strategy, not like you know, uh, dumb, empty positivity. That's never been any of my jazz. And, you know, I think calling my podcast creative pep talk, I'm probably, that's probably the one thing that's working against me is that I'm sure a lot of people (laughs) just assume that it's like some hokey, uh, yeah, (laughs) you know, um, positivity for positivity sake kind of thing. Right. Right. It's much, it's much more practical than than just pep talk. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, well, geez, Andy, uh, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for uh, taking time with us before the holidays here. Absolutely. I had an absolute blast. And, uh, 
you know, you definitely like poked on some good, <laughs> good topics that I clearly got deeply excited about. So, uh, it was a good time. So thanks. Maybe next time I will shut up and, uh, and get to hear more, more about your story. No, and stuff. No, no. But, yeah. No, no, no. no. Uh, people listening to this podcast hear, hear enough of me anyway. So this is, <laughs> this is perfect. Uh, this is great. Thanks so much, Andy. Yeah, thanks, Dan. This has been Overtime, Dribble's official podcast. I'm Dan Cederholm. And thanks for listening to this week's episode. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks again. Thanks again.